You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everybody, Tim McMaster here along with Thomas Harding, our MLB.com Rockies reporter back on the podcast here. The Super Bowl is behind us, Thomas, and that means a lot of people that maybe haven't been paying that much attention to baseball or switching things back over. The good news for those people is they haven't really missed anything at all here in the offseason. It's been so slow. Uh, but let's get people caught up from the Rockies' perspective if they haven't been locked in on Colorado this offseason. Obviously, maybe not done necessarily this offseason, but Colorado has certainly taken care of things. I think the thing that stands out the most about this offseason for the Rockies thus far is obviously what they did in the bullpen. Uh, yes, I mean, gosh, these guys have spent, the, what is it, $141 million on free agents this year, and they're like at the top of the list, which is really unusual. Um, the three pitchers they got, of course, they signed Wade Davis for three years and $52 million, and then a couple of guys for three years and $27 million, Jake McGee and Brian Shaw from the Indians. McGee is returning, but the big one is Davis. Um, Davis will close for them, and let's face it, you want a guy with World Series pedigree like, um, he, like he had with the Kansas City Royals, and he also was with the Chicago Cubs and only blew one save last year. So that's really the big expenditure for the team. The other expenditure was a two-year, $2.5 million deal for catcher Chris Iannetta, who began his career here with the Rockies and has really developed into a very good leader. And as his career has gone on, his receiving keeps growing. So I mean, this could, that, that could be a big move for them because the rotation is so young. The other big storylines, obviously, is is the possible addition. They could go with an outfielder. They could go with a first baseman type player. Um, they obviously have internal options as well, so that's still yet to be determined. Obviously, things moving so slowly, and we've talked about it on here before, Thomas. The good spot is that they do have those internal options. So while they wait out this market and, and see what happens, they're not in a position where they have to make a move. If they went into spring training with the roster that they have together right now, they'd be okay. Uh, yeah, they would, especially with David Dahl being healthy after missing last season with the rib issue. But also Ronald Tapia, who hit something like, I think he started off 0 for 15 and finished the year from that point on hitting at 360. So those are two guys. And also there's uh, Michael Talkman, who came up through the minor league system, has hit 301 in the minors last year, was used as a pinch runner mostly, but he can play all three outfield positions, and he showed some power with 16 home runs in AAA last year. Um, and if you look at the first base situation, they could be breaking in Ryan McMahon, who showed some power at the AA and AAA levels. At some point, all of those guys are going to have to become a part of the Rockies' future, so it could be sooner than later if they don't go out and sign a guy like a Mark Reynolds to come back or even a Carlos Gonzalez. Yeah, obviously talented young players on the way, uh, middle infielders as well. You think about Brendan Rodgers, although they have a pretty good guy there right now. You have a feature on the, on the website right now, Thomas, about Trevor Story, who obviously struggled a little bit in 2017, obviously had the breakout campaign the year before that, uh, before he was injured. 2017 was a struggle. He finished strong. What did he learn from that? What do you expect from him in 2018? I saw a lot of development out of Trevor's story last season. Um, early in the year, he struggled. But then as the year he went on, he 
developed some thought process in the batter's box. And um, one of the things that I thought was, gee, I've seen this out of a couple of other guys, namely Charlie Blackman and Nolan Arenado. It turns out that as the season progressed, rather than obsessing about his mechanics, Story began talking to those guys about, gee, what is the pitcher doing in this situation? Um, what are the things that I should be thinking and trying to cut that learning curve? If he does, with the power that he has, he could, he, he could get above 30 home runs. For last season, he ended up with some lower numbers average-wise, but he still hit 24 home runs. Imagine what happens if he is able to correct some of the things that happened in the batter's box. There were times that he missed pitches early in counts, fouling them off. There were times that he chased some bad pitches. But if he picks the right pitch, even with two strikes, he can hit it out of the ballpark. A good number of his home runs have come with two strikes. I want to get people ready for spring training. If they've never been down to Arizona to check out the Rockies at spring training, Thomas, we want to give them a, a few tips here. Let's start with... What is one of the best facilities around Major League Baseball when it comes to spring training? That's Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. That's, of course, the home of the Rockies and also the D-backs that opened back in 2011. One of the newer facilities out in the Cactus League. It's pretty big, 11,000-seat capacity. Um, just talk about since they moved there, Thomas, have, have you noticed just a difference in, in what spring training is like in a facility like that? Well, I think uh, definitely for the players, uh, what a state-of-the-art weight room, um, all their conditioning fields, the inside with the clubhouse, a lot of the places that people don't see, it's, it, it, it's really top of the line. Um, when you're there at the facility, there is an area, it's a ramp that leads up to the main ballpark, but right along in there, you can look kind of over a fence, and down beneath you, the pitchers are throwing their bullpen sessions, and I always think that's a, that's a good angle. You look down, you see the break of the ball, you see, um, you see the velocity, you kind of hear it, and you, and, and you get to feel it. Um, in the stadium itself, there's one thing that I find interesting is that uh, along the right field side and foul ground, um, if you're in between two concession stands, you could look, and one of the other fields is there. So you could literally be watching a major league game in front of you, then turn your back, walk back to the fence behind there, and see a minor league game going on, which I think is pretty unique. That is pretty cool. Um, how about the area in general? Um, obviously, Talking Stick's not, it's not Glendale, or it's not in Phoenix, it's not Scottsdale. What, what is there to do for fans that are out there that once they get out of the ballpark? Are there some spots in that area that you like to eat at or, or visit? Any uh, hidden gems for people? Well, first of all, as far as that's concerned, right across from the ballpark across the highway is the Talking Stick Resort. So, you know, you can have some gaming there um, and, and, and food. Uh, that, that's kind of not really my thing, but I know a lot of people that come down and they get, um, and, and they get their meals there and, and have a good time there. A um, lot of good restaurants, some of them well-known, like Don and Charlie's, which um, is owned by people from Chicago, and they have a lot of baseball memorabilia there, and it's actually a quality restaurant. You're talking about a, um, a place that's not just a sports bar but a quality restaurant. And there are, there are all kind of different little spots. I, I like this little breakfast place that's not far from the ballpark called Butters, and they do a really good job. There and but the, the the thing is is that everybody knows about it now, so there are people out the door. So you know you have to get there early. And really, my, my thought is if you just kind of tool around Scottsdale, you can find good places to eat. You're not far from the uh, zoo and the botanic gardens of Phoenix, so you you can add things 
other than baseball into your trip. Lots of good stuff to do down there, absolutely. Um, when you think about spring training, though, it's not all about the major league game, obviously. It's also about those backfields and, and the opportunity to get close to players and, and maybe get autographs and that sort of thing. How does Salt River lend itself to that side of things in the spring training? Well, I think it's a lot better when players are all the way onto the backfields. Obviously, when you're above them, kind of looking down at, the, uh, at where they're throwing bullpen sessions, it's a little bit harder. But... Uh, a lot of times, like if a guy is coming back from an injury or something, they'll have a, a live batting practice session or something on the backfield where fans can really be a part of it. It's um, you, you're you're in an area kind of a little cloverleaf area where you're in between um, three fields, and that and, and that really works well for the fans. Um, also, at the ballpark is pretty good. There's an area down by the bullpen. We're talking about the main ballpark. There, there's an area near the bullpen with um, picnic tables and everything else, and the railing to the bullpen, you can actually set your drink or your food there and watch guys warm up to go into the game. Um, and one of the things I like about it, there's an usher there who makes sure that if there's a kid there, he gets to see uh, his favorite players warm up for a game, and he, who knows, maybe he'll end up with a baseball and get an autograph. So you're right, spring training is a great place for fans to get to meet the players, especially the younger fans. It's interesting that the Rockies share the facility with a division rival, right? I, I mean, I assume they don't really see much of each other, but that always has always kind of stood out to me a little bit. Well, it's funny because... <laughs> Really, with the exception of when they meet each other in games, and obviously when two, two teams share a facility, they play a large number of games against each other. The Rockies never see the Diamondbacks, and the Diamondbacks never see the Rockies. I mean, this is a huge facility, so it's not like um, the, the Rockies are practicing in one place and they can look over and see the Diamondbacks working on their things. They're, they're, there's good separation, so I guess if you want to keep your – wheel plays and butt defense is secret. You don't have to worry about that. All right. That's a great setup for people who haven't been down there to Arizona for spring training before. There's nothing like it. And Arizona is great because everything is so close as far as all the different teams and facilities. It's a lot different than the Grapefruit League out in Florida where there's a lot of long drives from one facility to the other. So if you're thinking about going down to Arizona, definitely do it at some point when you have a chance. And hopefully we helped you out a little bit with some inside tips from Thomas Harding. This has been MOB.com Extras, our Rockies edition. For Thomas Harding, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time.